Hi, my name is Jeremiah Sheik, creator of Hush Ronin and Frosty the Hellmouth. You can find my work at www.jsheik.com, and you're listening to Two Geeks Talking. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everyone. Two Geeks Talking is an entertainment industry interview show where we interview the creative people from the comic, film, TV, movie, and video game industries. And of course, I'm your host, Kurt Sasso. We're joined today by a very talented artist and writer and comic creator. I fell in love with his artwork as soon as I went to his page and clicked on his very first images of the Sandman tarot cards that he happened to create as well, too. But he's done much more than just that as well, too. We're joined today by the ever-talented Jeremiah Sheck. How are you doing? Uh, Very well. Thank you, Kurt. How about yourself? Doing good. Doing good. Who are you? And tell us what you are creatively. Usually get credited professionally as J. Sheik or J. Paul Sheik. Uh, The J stands for Jeremiah. Um, I am a primarily comic book artist. I found it's uh, much more lucrative to draw other people's projects than it is to try to get my my own up and running, although I do have some of those as well. My samurai comic, Hush Ronin, is uh, slated for production with Band of Bards in winter of this year. Uh, I have another one going through Foreign Press Comics, uh, just a one-shot about a demon-possessed ginormous snowman ravaging a small Idaho town. There's a, a lot of other ones that I'm currently working on with, with other other writers and collaborators that I can talk about in varying degrees. I do keep pretty busy with a lot of projects kind of all at once. It's great to see that your samurai comic is being published through them as well, too. What does Band of Bards Publishing bring to your project? The biggest thing that I I picked up from them is their integrity. They're a pretty new publisher. They had put out, I remember very hurriedly putting my pitch pack together. I mean, to the point where I'm like, I I doubt they'll even look at this at this point because I got it in like right under the wire with a few sample pages. But having interacted with them sort of through their genesis as a company and their expansion on social media and talking with Tim Stolinski and, and others at an individual level. And, you know, once they expressed an interest that once that dialogue kind of got started, I just really liked what they were about. They've been very on the level, um, you know, as opposed to, you know, working with, I won't call it, say, like a more established publisher, but something bigger that's been around perhaps a little longer, where there might be a little bit more room for getting pushed aside or like, yep, this is how we're doing it don't care what you think. I've had a lot of creative control along the way, especially with this story because it's changed so many times and gone in so many different directions from like the original first drawings and stories that I started writing for it, that they want a clear direction for me, which I appreciate. So that keeps me on the ball in that department, but it also lets me do what I need to do to make this what I ultimately see it as being. So tell us the the concept then of, of that comic and, you know, how did you come up with it? Hush Ronin is about a Ronin samurai who can't speak. Originally, I had drawn him as like a Lego figure, almost. He was this cute little chibi doll creation. I don't know if I have that on my website or not, but there is a Hush Ronin section in there. I might put that up because I, I do have the original, like, first ever drawing that I did for the character. And the idea was that he was sort of a, a braggart or not a good character in some sense, like an anti-hero. And that the gods intervened and took his voice from him or his mouth, really, because he was a cartoon character. It made more practical sense to take his mouth away from him and refuse to give it back until he had done some kind of like a a reinvention of the labors of Hercules to try to make up for uh, who who was it that he'd saved? Was it Prometheus from the rocks? 
making up for his error in that sense. And then, you know, he's forever pursuing getting his mouth back and then learning things along the way that he doesn't necessarily need it to build a strong character in the minds of those around him. What was the first image that popped into your head that would develop into the story you created? Uh, I had just the image of the samurai. Uh, I mean, he was just this little, I mean, almost like a chess piece kind of composition to his figure. And it was very incidental. I had drawn eyes and I think a, a suggestion of a nose. And then I couldn't decide what the mouth needed to look like to match the, the shape language of the character. And so I just didn't draw one, you know, after a period of time when I, you know, I'd finished painting it and coloring it in. I came back to do the mouth and I realized, I think there's a story there, you know, of, of why he doesn't have a mouth. Uh, I mean, apart from that, I couldn't decide in a um, design sense what it should look like. Uh, so I cut the mouth out and I started developing the story that way. Maybe about a year and a half into it, I had started grad school at Cal State Fullerton, going back to get my, my Master of Fine Arts degree in illustration and had decided to use um, the Hush Ronan concept as a semester project to build a portfolio around through group critique. You know, I brought in those original drawings and presented the story and it was pretty unanimous. Everybody thought that the story as I was handling it then was a little too violent or visceral for the cutesy kind of shape language I had developed around it. Kind of began to evolve. I made the character a little bit in the Tintin kind of category, as far as you know, we look like like Stan Sakai's uh, Usagi Ojimbo, which I was reading a lot of at the time. And then finally, in around May of 2018, I grabbed everything that I had. I still have about seven or eight pages of the the cartoonish version, but around 2018, I went full blown like Akira Kurosawa, black and white very rough edge samurai movie with it and haven't gone back. But what's the hardest part about being an artist? Is it the beginning, the middle, or the end of your process? For me, it's always been the end. The beginning is always exciting. Uh, the middle can be a little frustrating. Kind of chalk it up to my ADHD being a factor in that. But, you know, finishing something can be terrifying. It can be disappointing. It, the, the beginning is all about getting that carrot dangling for a project. And the middle is about chasing it. But Catching the carrot is to quote the Joker from Dark Knight. You know, like I'm a dog, like a dog chasing a car. I wouldn't know what to do if I caught one. Uh, it's kind of like that. Like, well, what happens when I catch the carrot? Where is the next carrot going to come from? And how good is it going to taste compared to this previous carrot? That's a good analogy. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, as an artist, then what is the the best advice for other artists that are starting out, especially maybe those with with ADHD? The two big things that have been crucial to my success, I would say, are keep drawing kind of no matter what. Always be working on something. If it's your own, great. If it's something you're working on with a friend or another collaborator or a writer, keep working on something. The other big one is the networking aspect. You know, you start meeting people that can lead to new collaborations. I kind of got my start, at least in a professional sense, where I started getting paid to draw comics on Twitter right around the same time I did the, Kuros the Kurosawa overhaul on Hush Ronin. was living in Temecula, California at the time, Marietta, which is adjacent to it there, and working at the Apple Store. And I happened to meet uh, Marco Finnegan, who was from the same area. You know, he was 
coming in to look at iPads as a possible uh, tool for drawing his own comics. If you're not familiar with Marco, he did send some work with Image like Crossroad Blues. That's one I know of off the top of my head in my library. It's a kind of a similar artist to myself. He likes the realistic human figures, put him kind of in like the David Mazzuccelli school. Mm. Um, as far as his, his output, he was mentioning some opportunities that he had had and that most of his paid work, at least at that time, came from Twitter, which was something that I had not as yet explored. So that same week, I resuscitated my personal account, which I hadn't used in several years and mm-hmm. kind of hung out my shingle as a comic book artist. And within a couple of weeks, I'd landed two paid jobs, you know, slow going, but you know, each one of those that you do is something that you can point back to. And then that can lead to the next work like, oh, hey, I saw your work on Trench Stalker. Um, would you be interested in doing this this other piece? It's set in World War II or, you know, whatever it happens to be. But you're not only an artist, but you're a writer as well, too. What energizes you more creatively? Is it writing, drawing, or is it both? I would have to say both, but rarely simultaneously. There was a time where I just wanted to be a writer. Um, I was penning novels. I I got an agent at the Curtis Brown Agency in New York to look at a pirate novel I'd written back in 2007 or so. Ultimately, they didn't decide to represent it. And at that point, I kind of shelved it after that. I didn't end up doing another draft. I'm terrible about about drafts anyway. I redrafting things. I've kind of come up with some personal tools to say proactively sabotage myself into writing a second draft of something. They're often kind of the same thing in a sense too. you know, if, if I'm drawing just on a blank sheet of paper with the intention of creating a character, I'm sort of writing some intention into that, who the character is represented by what they look like or what they carry, uh, how they carry themselves, that kind of thing. With comics, it can get intensely confusing for me it was stopping point for a lot of years was I didn't really understand how comics were made from the position of a writer, artist, creator, you know, kind of synthesis in one person. Is it the script first or does the art come first? For me, it's for my own stuff. It tends to be more the art first. I realized when I started needing to have a script to show anybody that the script really just became a description of things that I had already drawn. I'm overcoming that and starting to write more uh, in script form, kind of pre-visualizing the comic, at least in some sense, creating detailed instructions as sort of a, a letter to my future self to draw or to potentially another artist if that ever happens where I'm just in the writing chair, not writing something that I I intend to draw or have already drawn, I guess. What was an early experience where you learned that language had power? The one that comes to mind, I was really young, probably four or five years old. My parents had taken us to uh, another family's house for dinner. There were like three families meeting for, for the adults to have a dinner and play board games. And then the kids were sequestered away in a, a bedroom we're just playing around. One of the, one of the kids happened to be my best friend at the time and his older sister. And at some point the older sister got mad at my friend and yelled fuck at him. And I thought it was the funniest word I'd ever heard in my life. So I immediately committed it to memory. It was getting kind of late. Uh, but next morning I go out to the living room and my parents had a big stereo set up and with the, the big over the ear, like pilot headphones, so I pop those things on and I'm sitting out there in the living room, just fuck, 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 like <laughs> dancing away. 
And my mom comes out and she's looking at me like I just murdered somebody. <laughs> and the paddle comes out and I'm like panicked because I'm like, I don't know what I did wrong. Um, I just heard this really funny word for that, that kind of a, a single syllabic thing to produce that kind of a response from a figure of authority to where I was about to get my ass beat over it. I didn't, I was able to explain it away and uh, I pinned the blame for where it belonged on my best friend's older sister. Uh, I don't know that she ever got in trouble over that or not, but it was just like a, like, wow. I've come to realize it more with writing that like Stephen King describes it as a mode of telepathy in his book on writing, you know, that you're conveying ideas, not just from one mind to another without technically speaking, but you're doing it across time um, in the sense that, you know, we can still pick up transmissions from Charles Dickens or, you know, some of the earliest people to pick up a, a pen uh, so long as we can translate what it, what it was they were writing or whatever language or form of alphabet. That was kind of a, a very fundamental one for me. It always kind of sticks in my mind as, as one of those, like, okay, words have power uh, and they can get you into trouble. They can save you from it, depending on what order you put them in. So looking at, at Hush Ronan here itself, you know, what was the hardest scene for you to write and draw? The hardest part has actually been kind of revising it. A lot of what I have, it's gone through through different versions of kind of the same story centered really around the same character. I had done a version back in 2018 with the character initially being able to speak. Um, he gets his uh, mouth taken away or his voice taken away in a duel with a shape-shifting kitsune or a nine-tailed nine firefox that gets unleashed that's still, I believe, going to be part of the story, but I have it sort of changed the aspect of that a bit. Shifting it back around to what it is now, I've got something that's got a, a little bit more breadth in terms of time where we meet the character much earlier on in his life as like a preteen whose village is burned to the ground by like a, ro 